Hello and welcome to the Product Leadership 2021 episode three. Today I am joined by Tarunupade. And uh, before we start the talk on product leadership, I would just like to share a story on how I got introduced to Tarun. Uh, so a few years back, I was looking for some advice from an investor's perspective on my entrepreneurial aspirations. And uh, I, I got introduced to Tarun and someone who connected us said that Tarun is the person who has never worked for anyone. And uh, that uh, statement kind of struck me and uh, I was uh, really looking forward to meet Tarun. And uh, yeah, since then we've been working together. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, he's a charismatic person. He is uh, uh, a good, great product leader, entrepreneur and investor. And uh, I, I'm sure he has a lot to share. Uh, Tarun, thank you for joining me uh, on this talk series. And uh, uh, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, so just before you share, I just thought that uh, this would be a great way to start and set the tone for who you are. <laughs> All over to you. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I don't think that uh, not ever working for others is necessarily a great thing. You know, I think, uh, there are certainly uh, some downsides, but there are there are a lot of upsides to that. And I, I sorely miss actually not working for somebody else. And uh, uh, there are things that uh, I, I miss in my skill set because of that. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, when I met you, it was uh, uh, I think our first meeting was very warm, and you stuck me as somebody who's very passionate about. Uh, not just business and uh, uh, entrepreneurship in general, but also about travel. And uh, that's always one of the biggest qualities in a person. I almost never try to hire somebody who, who does not have a passion for anything. In every interview, you kind of look for what is this person passionate for? And uh, because if all you do is uh, uh, just live normally, then uh, it makes for a boring life at the end of the day. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Tarun. I, I think you are uh, being very modest uh, and I appreciate the kind words. Um, but if we talk about you, uh, you've been involved with uh, many different uh, projects and companies. Uh, uh, so probably we can talk about one thing is Blue Ventures. Uh, so you've been involved with them and I know you have invested, invested in many companies and had successful exits as well. Uh, so can you give us a little bit of insights on what kind of companies or industries uh, you invest in and uh, how do you go through that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Blue Ventures is, uh, uh, is an early tech fund, which means that invest in uh, tech companies, which are very early in their career, you know, usually before series A. So they almost... Uh, always write the first check uh, for a company. And uh, I've been involved with them for many years now. And over these years, my uh, responsibility and involvement has grown. Uh, currently, I'm on the investment committee for their uh, cyber uh, fund. And uh, there we mostly invest in cybersecurity related companies. So that has become my focus uh, more and more in these days. and. Uh, but I do stay involved in other companies uh, as well. 
uh, I like to say that, you know, the uh, successful people have uh, come in three varieties. They are either uh, good operators or they are good investors or they are uh, good entrepreneurs or, you know, and innovators. So uh, I think I started as a good entrepreneur and innovator, I, I like to think, but over the uh, last few years, I'm turning more and more towards uh, being, invest being an investor. And I think I'm seeing more success there. So I feel very excited and, uh, you know, hopeful about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's good to hear uh, transitioning from uh, entrepreneurship, uh, tech leadership, and then moving on to the investment. And uh, I'm sure being an invest investor is also not an easy job. You have to be very careful on how you put in your money uh, into any particular company or industry or business. So what is it in particular that you really look for in a company before you decide to invest in? So, so great question. I, I, I don't think that's a, uh, there is a, a super secret formula there. I think uh, uh, one has to look for one's own niche and once on knowledge base. So in my case, uh, because I focus on early stage companies, I, I very strongly focus on, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the market and then, then the team. So, so the, the market part is obvious, uh, very obvious that uh, one should look at uh, a market which has uh, above a certain size. So any new company has a place to grow, the opportunity should be right and this should be the right time to invest. Uh, or uh, uh, innovate in that market. And uh, the, the second side of that is the, the team itself. So a team is usually two to four people and you know what's that founding team like? What's the relationship with each other and what kind of skill sets uh, uh, they bring uh, to the table? Uh, that's, that's all really one has to go for. And then uh, you know, that has to be combined with what, what I know about that industry or, or that stage of uh, that type of companies. And that's, that's really uh, goes into the decision. Okay, okay. So uh, team is a, a great way to look at things like, uh, I, I believe um, the dynamics, team dynamics obviously brings in more success in terms of like how you are working together to come to the market. Uh, when we are in talking about like uh, tech products companies, what is it in specific uh, that you really want to see in those people? Like uh, how that product, so product is one thing which can speak to the market, but um, do you think there is more to it in the team in terms of how they handle the product? Yeah, so uh, beyond the, the relationship within the team itself, uh, which is very important, the team should have a certain amount of trust, uh, mutual you know, uh, a friendship, as well as ability, you know, some kind of supplemental skills in the team. Uh, beyond that, uh, you know, when we look at each person individually in the team, I think there are many sides that uh, need to come together, especially when we look at uh, product companies in the tech industry. I think there are five skills that together define success. 
Uh, first will be having a great design uh, taste. Number two will be uh, business insights or ability to make good business decisions. Third, uh, which is becoming increasingly more important in today's uh, data-focused world is uh, strong analytical skills. Uh, fourth, which is uh, almost always a wild card, is uh, some kind of a visionary or some kind of a strategic take on the industry product or business, which is hard to uh, hard for other people to copy. And 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 lastly, uh, a deep technical expertise. So uh, any team has to have all those five ingredients in a tech uh, in, uh, in a tech product. Uh, to make it work. Now, that doesn't mean that all five have to be present when the company starts, uh, but whatever is not present is a gap and over a period of time, company has to get to all five for it to be successful uh, at the end of the day. Okay, okay. So in, interesting way of putting the skills in the uh, five main things. Uh, do you think this is a one-person job or it's a team job? <laughs> uh, it can be a one-person job. I mean, uh, it's it's very, very hard to do it as a one-person. I think uh, two people can probably and, and uh, do it. And uh, it is, uh, and a lot of times we see uh, two people doing it. Uh, three is uh, much more common. And, uh, but there is, there is a law of diminishing return that uh, fits in, I think, beyond three or four, it, it certainly fits in. So two to four, might be might be the ideal set. The more uh, uh, complementary uh, these people are, the better it is. You certainly don't want uh, them sort of working together. I mean, there are obviously more skills given these five that you want in your team, but uh, there are soft skills and things that can be learned. But uh, there are certain things uh, which are uh, which are uh, uh, which are just innate, and while they can be learned, I won't bet on people learning them. Uh, you know, something like a, having a great design test, uh, taste is something that can learn over a period of time by reading books and, uh, you know, experience and uh, interest, but it's not something that I'll bet on, you know, when that people will learn it over a period of time. Yeah, that's very true, very true. I, I think, yeah, in an early stage company, especially having uh, the complementing skills is uh, very important you have limited resources and you have to manage uh, everything within that. So if uh, the skills are complementing, that can help take things further, faster and more efficiently. Yeah. Um, now, if, if we talk about the uh, current times, um, uh, as you know, the pandemic has impacted a lot in uh, many different businesses. And uh, if, if we talk about uh, the, the startups, um, what has changed in the startup team dynamics? Uh, do you see anything changing uh, or um, not, not much because the team is anyway small? Certainly has. I mean, if you look at um, the new world, which is emerging in, after pandemic, I will say now every business is a digital business. Uh, whether you cut hair or you know water plants or run a restaurant, you know you are in a digital business. And I'll 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 go a step beyond and say that every relationship is a digital relationship now. You know, so 
whether it's the grandparents or a little child, uh, uh, now every relationship goes through a screen. And uh, uh, we can debate the positives and negatives of it, uh, but staying on the topic, uh, the challenge for today's founders and today's uh, products are that to create the digital strategy regardless of what business you, you are in. Now, these changes were happening even before pandemic, but in, in, in post-pandemic world, they, we kind of have fast forwarded five, 10, 20 years, depending on what industry uh, to, uh, you know, we are talking about. Uh, uh, in terms of what you asked, the, the team dynamics has changed dramatically in COVID and what is traditionally called the role of a product management has become really, really important. And just like every business is a digital business and every relationship is a digital relationship now, I will say every person in an organization is now a product manager in some way, or it has to, the person has to have certain attributes of product management as part of their job description. In, in my view, one of the key jobs of a product manager is to coordinate and communicate what the company's product is doing both internally and externally. And that job has become very, very hard during pandemic. I mean, internally, the teams are distributed. Externally, the, the customers are distributed. Everything happens over uh, different channels than it used to happen. People are working remotely, perhaps in different time zones. So the job of coordination and communication is way harder. Uh, for the traditional product managers and product owners, but also for everyone else in the company who has a stake in uh, getting the product uh, out of the door and making it successful. So uh, that uh, I believe is the key challenge uh, for uh, for the for for both upcoming companies and companies who are trying to move uh, forward in this digital world in any other way. Right. Yeah, I, I like the perspective of uh, saying that every relationship is now digital and every company is actually doing a digital business. And then also talking about the uh, distributed teams and distributed customers, they pose its own challenge. Um, but what would be your advice uh, to, to such founders uh, who are trying to come up or maybe who are already working on transitioning to, to a place where they can cope with these uh, challenges. Uh, what, what is your advice to them? So uh, I think uh, the value, uh, when, the when the team company is small, uh, it's easy to communicate. But once we get past the initial size of let's say five, communication immediately becomes a challenge. And now that people are separated uh, by distances, if not uh, by technology, the, uh, this number from five has probably come down. Uh, so I, uh, one thing that I look for, and, and one thing I advise everyone is that do not underestimate communication in, in this world. And, and it doesn't mean over communicate, but be always aware that communication is gonna be challenging. And it is about keeping everyone, even if it's a small team, keeping everyone on the same page and 
making sure whether it is hoops or scrums or uh, some brainwaves and whiteboarding session or uh, informal internal debates on features or, or formal communication to the customers. Every part of the communication is now harder. And it is much harder to do uh, and you know, like a like a debate about a bug, how a bug should be fixed uh, informally over a over a coffee uh, in in company cafeteria or in a Starbucks. But it is also hard to talk to your customers and understand what they are thinking in in their strategy. So every company has to be really innovative, along with uh, not just in their product, but also on how they communicate internally and externally with all their stakeholders. And that's, that's a job that is still evolving and uh, we, will, we will see it evolving more. Uh, but uh, there are certain trends that are emerging there. I mean, technology can help it uh, help there, but technology comes with its own limitations and things, some things technology makes it easier to do, but certain things are much harder to do. And every team has to be aware of what are the limitations uh, along with the power of, uh, of these new tools. Right, yeah. I think uh, talking to a couple of uh, product leaders now, I'm kind of re realizing the theme of communication being important in product leadership uh, or in general in business itself. So there are many themes that are coming along. Uh, so one is like uh, product managers inherently are good communicators or they have to be good communicators because they don't really have an authority but they have to influence changes that, that, that work positively for the customers and the company uh, itself. Uh, so it's in a way kind of very interesting to see that uh, this theme is coming along as a common uh, piece of advice for the product leaders to, to work on the communication. Even if it's a remote world, uh, there are different tools available which can help in improving the communications. Yeah. Uh, Beyond that, if we if we just uh, kind of go a little higher up and uh, see uh, the decision making uh, process, now uh, that has also changed a lot. Uh, previously, it was very easy to make decisions. Everyone would, I mean, the key stakeholders would come on the whiteboard. They will jot down certain ideas, then they will vote for it or do sticky notes uh, for it, and then. Uh, it was easier to make a decision in like maybe 20 minutes of brainstorming session. Now being remote, it is not the same. People are not able to share the same whiteboard. Uh, so the decision process has also changed. Uh, how, how are you giving advice on that aspect as well? Like how would you make decisions, better decisions? And what are the things that uh, a product leader should look for to make a better decision? So uh, great question, Anup. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll actually make it uh, a little bit more complicated. You know, you talked about uh, how decision supporting, decision making supporting process and tools are, are sometimes not available or, or are limiting because we all cannot be in the same room around the same whiteboard. That's uh, Certainly, very true. I will add though that uh, the data is uh, changing. A lot of time, uh, products 
managers and, and even company executives are used to making decisions based on data. Now that sometimes is very hard data coming from the market or from the market research. And sometimes uh, it is uh, soft data, uh, which, is, which can be sentiment analysis or, or uh, subjective analysis of uh, what people are perceiving outside. Uh, the challenge is that data has changed. Uh, both of those type of data has has uh, has become uh, very different. Uh, what people used to buy or prefer uh, before pandemic uh, has changed. So one has to think about what data would be relevant. Similarly, the sentiments that people had have have changed, and what they feel about different things have changed. So what things were uh, considered uh, uh, good. Uh, like wearing a suit uh, has 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 changed dramatically uh, in in this world. So and it will continue to change as we when we get out of this. So uh, so I'll mix both of those together. I think the 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 flexibility around processes and tools, as well as around data and sentiments, uh, needs to be put in the context of the larger business goals. So. It, it goes back to communication in, in some ways in terms of how to do more, but then also to have a little bit of discipline around how can we get people together uh, to build uh, and, and understand which part of what's our goals. So uh, to, to, make, to put it another way, in a regular business enterprise, a lot of our decisions are made by what I would call habits, which means we have a certain way of working which has been institutionalized over the last 50 to 100 years. We gather around a coffee machine, we talk about certain things. We have, you know, we, we read a certain kind of Twitter streams, we sit in a certain kind of coffee shop and we have drinks and do some research. And that's how the informal opinion gets made and that opinion gets then uh, ultimately get formalized in meetings based on certain kind of data and certain kind of discussions that take place. And uh, then that uh, percolates up the organization or down based on the organization culture. Now that this way of, of making decisions and understanding or steering the business is, uh, is being threatened uh, through this process. It is an opportunity to build something new, but uh, it's also a threat that the older ways of, you know, companies or people who continue to stick with the older ways might not uh, uh, be as successful. We don't know what the new way would be. I think it will take a few years for even us to get uh, some e initial answers there. But meanwhile, the people who are most, uh, who are going to be most successful are people who are you know, are focusing on looking for these things, but are also actively communicating and getting feedback in whichever way they can get out of this group. So one has to constantly be validating uh, what other people are getting, but then also using data to communicate and using communication to get data. So what I mean by that is when, when I communicate something to my team, I use data to see that, did it actually get communicated or did I miss something? Or having some processes around getting that communication in will be helpful. So ultimately it comes down to having enough flexibility, formality, as well as 
I guess we we come back to the same theme again and again communication. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's sorry. Uh, I got ram. Yeah. Rambled a little bit over around there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've been known for putting things simple, but uh, you put the complicated thing in a very simple way, and I think it's very easy to understand your perspective on seeing like uh, how the info loss in informal communication is in a way threat to the modern i would say a modern decision making process and in current times people will have to be little flexible and uh, ensure that they are communicating the data they are getting and make sure that they are doing the communication to get the data as well it's a kind of a very interesting perspective i mean it is definitely sounds complicated but you are putting in a very nice way to help people understand uh, Uh, in in the audience i'm sure there are many founders entrepreneurs and upcoming product leaders uh if you have to give them one advice to wrap this conversation what would that be i will say the biggest thing that today's uh, upcoming entrepreneurs and product leaders can look for is what part of my business or what a part of the opportunity i'm trying to look at is not digitized and how can i digitize it more and uh, what i mean by that is there are opportunities of digitizing everywhere even in the businesses that think they are fully digitized and uh, and uh, and which most businesses are not so every product leader should think about what can i digitize what can what am i not missing what can go remote which it is not and uh, you will find an opportunity for a new business right there right so look for new opportunities and uh, make sure you are digitizing everything that is possible <laughs> right okay yeah uh, thank you tarun i think it was a wonderful conversation and uh, you brought in a very great perspective on uh, how things are changing evolving although there are threats uh, to decision making process in the current times the traditional way of working uh, has an opportunity to uh, kind of evolve itself to to cater to the current times uh, it was wonderful talking to you tarun and uh, i'm i am really thankful you you were able to share some time with me i know you are a busy man so thank you for giving me the opportunity and it's always a pleasure to talk to you thank you <laughs>